Our first lesson is from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, the third chapter. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And in the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. Greetings on this Easter weekend. Today I would like to encourage everyone to think about how this Easter gospel is on the one hand both amazing and on the other hand very ordinary. We hear the amazing proclamation, He is risen. And then this very ordinary command, go to Galilee. There is much to learn. There is much to find applied to our hearts and to our lives for our comfort and for our faith today. First of all, let's think about the importance of both the amazing things as well as the ordinary things that we find in the Bible. The ordinary things, in fact, are very important, and they help to see us the truthfulness of the Bible. The Bible has constantly been under attack, and it is claimed that the Bible is a mythological book, that Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. Many years ago, a man sat in my office, a man with a Ph.D. in medical sciences. We were discussing the doctrine of the role of women in the church and in the family. 
He disagreed with some things that the Bible said. When I pointed out what the Bible said, he leaned over to me and he said, You know, Pastor, the Bible's not like 2 plus 2 equals 4. That was his way of saying the Bible is just not real. It's just not part of this real world. This is an evil idea that goes all the way back to the very first temptation. When our first parents heard the question, did God say? Or another way to phrase it, is God real in what he says to us? People don't like to be told some of the things that the Bible tells them. They don't want to hear those things. And to get around it, they create myths, philosophies, and religions. And they always like to make sure we believe that the Bible is just another one of these. All these religions, philosophies, and so on, these myths, in fact, they are not like 2 plus 2 equals 4. They are not real. None of them have any historical references. We see this in the Vedic texts, the Egyptian and uh, the Egyptian and Greek myths, books like the Quran or even the Book of Mormon. There is no Pontius Pilate in these books, no Caiaphas, no Jerusalem. These religions and philosophies and myths often present to us the idea that God is a plurality. So how can the God of the Bible be so similar to these things? In these books and religions and philosophies, sin is often accepted or ignored, and certainly in every single one of them, there is no salvation from sin to be found. The fourth thing about these religions, philosophies, and myths that's very telling is that you do not find in them ordinary people. There's no Mary Magdalene in these books, no Centurions, no Simon of Cyrene, or Joseph of Arimathea. The ordinary people are missing. So let's break this down a little bit further and think about the amazing side of the resurrection gospel and the ordinary side of the resurrection gospel. Paul said to the Corinthians, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. The entire Christian religion rests on the reality of miracles and above all on this miracle that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. The Bible says that Jesus died. His body was placed under seal and under guard. And even, I suppose you could think, under the devil's control. But it wasn't. Because after three days, that tomb was open. The women who came to finish the burial were shocked and surprised to get the report from the angel and to see Jesus himself. Jesus appeared to the 12 and then later on to over 500 people. Those 12 were killed for their testimony that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is risen from the dead. And thousands more were martyred for the same reason. Christ is risen 
He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The philosophers complain about these miracles and about this miracle especially. They tell us that miracles are not scientifically verifiable and therefore they cannot be true. But we have to stop and think carefully about what they are thinking and what they are saying. They are assuming that in their human minds they are capable of understanding all things. In the small catechism, Martin Luther beautifully explains about the gift of our minds. God has made me in all creatures. He has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason, and all my senses, and still takes care of them. God has given human beings, as part of the image that he has given to us of himself, a mind that is capable of understanding amazing things and to listen and understand the Word of God. The great Christian and scientist and astronomer Johannes Kepler, who discovered so many of the laws of planetary motion, said that his scientific work was nothing more than thinking God's thoughts after him. Oh, that modern scientists could be as humble. They think they can understand everything with their senses and with their reason. But the Bible tells us exactly the opposite. Romans 11, oh, the depths and the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You see, there are many things in this universe that will not sit still underneath the microscope or out in front of the telescope of the scientists today. They fall into a logical fallacy that since we know many things, we can know everything. And that is simply not true. Shakespeare rightly said it. There are many more things in heaven on earth Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. We cannot say that miracles do not happen. We can only doubt them or believe them. And that is the question that the Lord and the Bible put before us every day. This resurrection miracle is the most important because of what it means for us. I am a sinner. Ever since I was a little boy, I've been aware of this struggle inside of me between good and bad. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says, the, the, the good that I will to do, I do not do. And the evil that I do not will to do, that I keep on doing. I cannot escape this prison of sin to be honest about life. But Jesus comes along and begins talking about forgiveness. And he says in Mark chapter 10, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He lived his life, died on the cross, rose again for this express purpose of bringing us out of that prison. His resurrection is the last number in the combination lock 
that unlocks that prison door for us. At the end of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That is the amazing reality of why we're here tonight and what we're celebrating and what we're going to be meditating on all of this week and in the weeks to come as we rejoice in the miracle and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus and in his resurrection. But let's talk now about the ordinariness of this gospel miracle and this gospel message to us today. As I said before, the Bible is different from all other religious books. It has historical connections. It teaches us about the one true God, not many gods. It is a book about forgiveness of sins and salvation. And, interestingly enough, it's a book about very ordinary people like you and like me. Twice in this great Easter proclamation, we hear the command, go to Galilee and there you will see me. Galilee is where it all began. Go back to Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, these are familiar words from the celebration of Christmas. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, for the Lord is with you Blessed are you among women. It goes on to tell us about the conception of Jesus in her womb and what he would do in accomplishing the forgiveness of our sins and our salvation. But it all began in humble Galilee, not Athens or Alexandria or Rome, and to humble people like Mary and Joseph. And later on, the fishermen, Peter, James, and John, also from Galilee. It is from Galilee that the mission to bring salvation to the world was launched. We're ordinary people. We're like Mary and Joseph. And Jesus is still to this day meeting us in our Galilees, whether it be at work or at school. The resurrection miracle does not fade after this service. It continues on with us in all the ordinariness of our lives, just as we hear in the very first proclamation itself. Yes, he's risen, but go to Galilee, and there you will see me. People are still discovering Jesus in their Galilees today, whether it be someone in a remote town in China, a teenager browsing the internet, or maybe a friend of yours at work. People are discovering this great miracle in their ordinary lives. The greatness, the amazing aspect of this miracle combines together with your ordinary life and mine and all of the people of the world around us. We're inundated with much bad news. Sometimes I call the news dispatches from a dysfunctional world. They are so depressing. And we shouldn't be surprised because this is a sinful world full of evil, and that evil is way more powerful than most people realize. But 
in this world, we have Jesus. He is still with us. Lo, I am with you, he says at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, even to the end of this age. Every day, people are locked in their prisons of sin. And yet every day, they are discovering the last number of that combination lock that opens up when people realize Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Please rise.